The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate balance with Jennifer Woodward, who is a functional, how do I say that? What do I say? Functional? Yep. Diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Yes. <laughs> welcome, Jennifer. It's good to have you. It's good to be here, Christy. Thank you. And I know that's a mouthful. So we usually abbreviate it FDN. So I'm an FDN. <laughs> I doubt that any of our audience would know what that is. But I much prefer the shorter version, that's for sure. A little easier. Yep. We have the pair of glasses. These are so fun. I love that we have the same. I, I'm going to have to look into your kind of line here. So ours are just like a little bit different on the style side, but I'm really digging the way those look on your face. Yeah, I love these so much. Reminds me of my Ray-Bans, my old Ray-Bans. Yes. Thank you. Out of the country are you? I am in Bakersfield, California, so I am West Coast. Love it out here, though. It's pretty hot. I'll bet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's raining here every day, which is weird. In Kansas. Are you in Kansas? I am in Kansas, but Kansas City is one of these things that spans the two, the state line. In fact, okay. my where I am now is on State Line Road. Okay, so may I ask what the other state is? Missouri. <laughs> Oh, great. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So across the street is Missouri, where I live. That's incredible. It's crazy. (laughs) I thought you were in Missouri. No, well, close, close enough. (laughs) All right. So functional diagnostic nutrition. This is so cool. And your specialty is in perimenopause and menopause, right? It is. Yes. Okay. So how did you get into this line of work? Yeah. Great question. So I, as I was telling you before we started, I have four children. I had them in a, a span of six years. So during the course of that time, I, I didn't realize because I was in my twenties, but man, my body just started to break down four kids in six years is just too much. So there is a period of time where I started getting panic attacks. I started having anxiety episodes. I couldn't sleep at all. My insomnia was just terrible. There were, you know, day three, four days at a time. I wouldn't sleep more than an hour or two at night. I was having my hair fall out due to stress. I couldn't digest food. I was having multiple food sensitivities 
issues crop up. I couldn't lose weight, just really felt out of control. I felt like my body was falling apart and I didn't realize that there was probably a hormonal component because I'd gone from my primary care physician to my OBGYN to a chiropractor asking him like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I sleep? And my panic attacks happening? Why is my emotions falling apart? And no one could really give me any answers. And so I am a student by nature. And I just kind of kept diving in to think there's got to be something else going on here. You know, my doctor said, well, we can give you antidepressants or we can give you birth control. And I thought, well, I'm nursing a baby. So I don't really want either one of those things. Maybe there's another option out there. And I feel like I was led to functional diagnostic nutrition. I was on YouTube late one night, found a video of a lady who called herself the FDN practitioner. And she she was running all of these really interesting labs on her clients. She was testing gut dysfunction. She was testing for hormone imbalance. She was testing for food sensitivities. And she was finding concrete reasons why women were feeling the way I was feeling. And so I remember I woke my husband up and was like, Hey, I got to do this. Will you finance me going back to school? So he said, Hey, data is involved because he works in finance. So we thought, you know, if there's data involved, then we could do that. So I was able to go through the program worked on all of these issues that I had been feeling. My labs popped up with all these anomalies and healing opportunities. And I felt so good by the time I came out of that course that I got to start working with other women who were in the same predicament. It's been so much fun, Christy. Oh, I'll bet. Well, because you get to show them what's going on with their bodies when they've been trying to figure this out for such a long time. Yes. You, Jennifer, they've exhausted all kinds of possibilities, haven't they? Most of my clients who come to me say that exact thing verbatim. <laughs> yes. And you can actually give them answers, which is nice. That's what I love to get to do. Oh, that's fantastic. Now you, of course, somewhat specialize in perimenopause and menopause, which was not where you were when you started this journey at all. Why was that interesting to you? I have found in my work and, and in my own life that it's oftentimes right around the age of 35 to about 50 that the problems I was experiencing tend to crop up for other women. So it's not always going to happen with the insomnia and the mood swings and the weight gain and the hair falling out and digestive disturbances in women's 20s and 30s. It's generally right as those hormones start to really transition and some hormones start to bottom out that they're presenting with a lot of the symptoms that I, I presented with. So naturally it just kind of followed that, oh gosh, was I in early perimenopause as a result of stress? And I became really fascinated by the interplay of hormones for women around this age and the transition from perimenopause to menopause and with the intent of helping women make that transition really easy, like almost flawless. Oh, fantastic. You know, I had a pretty easy time with menopause, but a lot of people don't. You know, the, nope, you are lucky. Yes, the hot flashes, the night sweats, and all the irritability and the dryness and the hair and all like that. Oh, yeah. So, were you having some of these symptoms because you had so many children in such a short span? So that's still kind of my hypothesis at this point. A lot of functional medicine, we're running the labs, we're looking at a medical history and kind of cultivating what symptoms are happening. But sometimes there's just no true diagnosis for what's happening, right? We are looking at a complex interplay of environment and hormones and digestion and immune system, even food you're eating. So it really shifted, I think, for me at the time, but it absolutely can be different for any woman, for every woman. Yeah. 
Right. So the functional nutrition, functional diagnostic nutrition. So what sets that apart from just a regular nutritionist? Yes, that's a great question. So that diagnostic part is key. So I always tell people I'm not a doctor. I don't actually diagnose, treat, or prescribe, but that title that I have, functional diagnostic nutrition, means kind of running diagnostics on the body, just like you would on a vehicle. We're looking at the data that's presented to us via this series of functional lab tests, and we're able to make correlations between anomalies in the body and symptoms that our clients are presenting with. Okay. All right. So you're really looking at how the body functions and that makes sense. Yep. And that's the functional part probably in there, right? (laughs) Wow. So how does a woman know she is in perimenopause? So oftentimes it really is just an age thing and you're never going to wake up one day and think, oh, today's the day I entered perimenopause. For a lot of women, it's just kind of this like dare I say, slow downhill slide into perimenopause. So just like you were saying, Christy, and like I was experiencing those symptoms of mood disturbances, sleep disturbances, that's a huge one. In perimenopause, women tend to gain an average of five to 11 pounds over the course of 10 years. So there can be that weight gain where a woman's like, I'm still walking my 10,000 steps a day. You know, I haven't changed anything with my diet. Why the heck am I gaining weight? I don't understand. That's a, a hallmark of perimenopause. Other signs and symptoms are to increase digestive disturbances. Your hair can start falling out just as it can start changing color. It can absolutely start falling out. We see changes in the thyroid. And so that can manifest as digestive disturbances like constipation or more food sensitivities, drier skin, drier hair, nails that are brittle. It really is. It can almost feel like your body's starting to fall apart as a woman. And that's the symptoms of perimenopause. But what's actually going on is that your estrogen levels are fluctuating wildly. And your progesterone levels, which are kind of the more, progesterone is like more the calming, relaxing, balancing female hormone as opposed to estrogen. Those progesterone levels are starting to decline. So you can have months where your estrogen is sky high and you have terrible clotty periods that are, you're bleeding profusely, your PMS has been awful that month and, and you don't really know why. And then your progesterone levels can be incredibly low. So that's how clinically we're looking at the presentation of of perimenopause. Again, fluctuating levels of estrogen, declining levels of progesterone, but there are lots of symptoms that correlate with that time as well. Right. Does stress play a part in it too? Oh, I think, yes. I think you already know how big of a part stress plays in it just because (laughs) of your sphere that you work in, but it can be said that that's the crux of the onset of perimenopause. And one of the reasons that happens is by the time a woman's 35, 40, 45 years old, it's likely that she has been experiencing decades of undersleeping, overstressing, maybe undereating and overexercising in an attempt at a diet. And really that starts to catch up with us in our mid to late thirties. In your twenties, you know, you can stay up till two in the morning. You can eat a fast food diet. You can drink coffee all day long and alcohol all night. And you wake up the next morning, you know, bread eyed and bushy tailed. But in our thirties and forties, we lose that adaptive mechanism because our, our body's HPA axis or the way that we physiologically respond to stress starts becoming a lot more imbalanced due to those decades of just pushing ourselves too hard, really just pushing ourselves too hard. Right. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine that the decline in the progesterone has something to do with the stress levels too, because we're not as calm and not as, am I seeing that right? 
That's a perfect correlation. Yes, progesterone is so protective for the brain. It works in the body just like GABA or serotonin. So there are correlations among those three different entities in the body. So it really is this hormone that provides balanced sleep and balanced mood and an ability to respond well to stressors. And when progesterone levels are low, I will hear women all the time tell me their fuse is short, they're irritable all the time, they lose their temper, they aren't able to handle just the small stresses of life. Whereas, you know, a woman with higher progesterone levels who's maybe 20 or 25 can roll with the punches as it were. Okay, interesting. And so estrogen seems like it's a big player in hormone replacement therapy. Why is that? I don't want to take too much of your time, but I would like to ask you a few simple favors. First of all, please rate, review, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. You know, it sounds like a simple little thing, and it is, but it has a huge impact for us because it helps other people find us in the podcasting algorithms. I don't know how it works, but I do know that it helps a lot. Next, if you would subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether that's YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you're listening, just hit subscribe or follow, and that helps you and it helps us. It helps you because then you receive notifications when we have a new episode that's out. It helps us because, again, algorithm, magic, I don't know what happens but it helps. And then finally, you can support our podcast in a tangible way by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast, and then click on support the show. Now we have a new feature too. We are now on Patreon. You can find us on Patreon. You can also find the link to Patreon when you go to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast. So on Patreon, for $3 a month or $5 a month, you can support your metaphysical and spiritual growth. You can learn about upcoming guests, and you can get early and ad-free versions of the shows. So please support us. This podcast is free for you to listen, but we have costs, and quite frankly, they come out of my pocket. So if you like this content, if you get a lot out of it, please see what you can do to give back. Thank you so much. Great question. So yeah, typically if you go to see a traditional, you know, doctor in perimenopause or menopause, the standard of care is to put women on estrogen or E2 estradiol. Estradiol is the strongest and most abundant estrogen in a woman's body. Though we do have three kinds. We have E1 or estrone and then E3 or estriol. But since that E2, that estradiol is the, the most like physiologically active form of estrogen in the body, that tends to be what is replaced in the body if you're doing bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. That's of course, always our recommendation. Try to go the bioidentical route. It mimics closely what your body produces on its own. The problem is that a lot of practitioners are putting women on synthetic hormones, synthetic estrogen. Now this includes birth control, of course, because a lot of women in perimenopause are on birth control. Their doctors have put them on birth control. That is not a bioidentical estrogen. That's a synthetic estrogen, which has no protective benefits in the body, actually increases risk of clotting, increases breakdown of neural tissue and increases risk of Alzheimer's and dementia, increases risk for cardiovascular disease, increases weight gain, really not a protective hormone at all for the body. 
that's kind of the one, two punch of birth control for a lot of women is you're getting exposed to excessive levels of synthetic estrogen, but then you're also shutting off your body's production of progesterone. Cause that's what birth control does. It inhibits you from being able to get pregnant and progesterone is your fertility hormone. So now we have, you know, high levels of fake estrogen, really low levels of progesterone. So it's no wonder that so many women feel like they're falling apart after decades on birth control, entering into perimenopause. Oh, that was me. That was me for sure. Okay. So you're the functional diagnostic nutrition person. And so what do you do when you find out that someone's hormones are way off? Because- I cannot. So I'm not a doctor. I cannot prescribe. But the cool thing is that nutrition component of what I do is so powerful, right? I like to tell my clients like, you know, what was your great, 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 great grandmother doing? Well, she wasn't on birth control and she certainly wasn't taking bioidentical estrogen. Yet she was able to make this transition from perimenopause into menopause rather seamlessly and without hormones necessarily. So how can we mimic an environment, a nutritional protocol that's really similar to what our ancestors have been doing literally for millennia (laughs) and, and really thriving? So I love to use foods. One of my favorite things to do is to have my clients start seed cycling. And that involves using specific nuts and seeds during the follicular phase of their cycle or days one through 14. And then the luteal phase of their cycle, which is days 14 through 28 of a cycle. It's broken up into two different cycles, right? If you don't know what that is, I usually have my clients kind of sync their cycles with the moon. So from waning to waxing, that would be very similar to the follicular phase of the cycle. And there you would start adding flax seeds and pumpkin seeds to the diet. This increases phytoestrogens that are available to the body that can act like natural estrogens, good estrogens, and increase the probability of you having an ovulation event that's natural and healthy, right? That's the culmination of the period is ovulation, not actually the bleed. So we really want to work toward healthy ovulation. And then during the luteal phase or the waxing to wait back to waning, we would incorporate things like sunflower seeds and sesame seeds, about a tablespoon of each one of these every single day to increase B6 in the body and thereby, you know, helping the body increase its, its progesterone production. So seed cycling is a beautiful way of seeing so many women naturally regulate their cycles. It's a good place to start. Oh, that's a great place to start. I love that. Are there other foods that can help with that? Yes. So I will tell my women, if you feel like you have the symptoms of high estrogen, let's say you've been on birth control for a really long time, or your doctor has you on Premarin or synthetic estrogen, or you aren't sleeping and you're gaining weight and your mood is terrible. So those are the symptoms of low progesterone. I have women add in foods that naturally tend to lower estrogen in the body. So those are things like my absolute favorite raw carrots. (laughs) I always have a raw carrot with me, uh, prunes, almonds, and raspberries, as well as flaxseed itself are fantastic ways to kind of naturally pull out excessive estrogen in the body. They're not going to lower estrogen if you already have low estrogen, but they're a good way to help the body, you know, balance out that higher estrogen to lower progesterone ratio. Oh, that is so interesting. So you really do work with people to develop a, a meal plan, an eating plan, a menu, right? Yep. Some recommendations for just the way that foods can function as cures and rebalancing agents. Interesting. So one of the things that perimenopausal women complain of is not getting enough sleep. How can they work with that and get more sleep? 
Man, not sleeping is the worst, right? <laughs> if you aren't sleeping, you just can't really do much in life. So it is definitely one of my objectives to start with my ladies. Like, how can we get you getting a good night's sleep? So we can start with functional diagnostic nutrition. We talk about our dress protocol. That's diet, rest, exercise, stress management, and then, and only then proper supplementation based on lab work. So supplements is our last S. So if we just look at that framework, how can we apply it to help a woman sleep more deeply? Number one is diet. I encourage my women, please, please, please add in some organic pastured animal products to your diet. If not once, then preferably two or three times a day. This is a very balancing, nourishing, amino acid-based profile to give your body the nutrition it needs. Our neurotransmitters are made from amino acids, and that's just the protein backbone, the protein structure of animal foods. You can do a decent job replicating that through a very balanced plant-based diet, but I have yet to see a woman who comes to me on a really well-formulated plant-based diet. So if you are not sleeping, generally that has to do with some blood sugar dysregulation. Sometimes it has to do with malnutrition, just not getting enough calories or carbohydrates or fat or protein. And so I'll usually put my women on some eggs for breakfast, easy, right? Some animal protein, some vegetables, fruit, nuts for lunch, also easy, like make a little charcuterie board. So I, you don't even have to cook. And then dinner, you and your family may be working together to get in some good, really like sustainably ethically raised high quality animal protein. And then rounding out your diet with some whole grains, gluten-free whole grains and fruits and vegetables, and again, nuts and seeds. And if you can make that the backbone of your diet, it's surprising how quickly you will start sleeping a little bit better because your blood sugar is balanced. And that is the whole crux of trying to eat well is to manage that blood sugar. When I was just in a meeting this afternoon with a client, we saw that our blood glucose levels, our fasting blood glucose was 62. And when we want our blood glucose to be between 70 and 110 nanograms per decimeter while we're fasting, right? So when it drops below 70, that's referred to as low blood sugar, right? And when that happens, when blood sugar drops out, cortisol levels or stress, our stress hormone tends to kick in right? And when your stress hormones kick in, you're going to be wide awake. It's very, very hard to fall asleep or stay asleep when stress hormones are coursing through your body. That's a biological adaptation. So by eating regular meals, high in protein and in, with sufficient calories, we can balance blood sugar enough to keep stress hormones down and it really enjoy a quality night's sleep. So that's tip number one. If we move over to rest, it would just be to cultivate a time of downtime throughout the day, like you women cannot just get up before your alarm clock, survive on black coffee, drive the kids to school, go to your first meeting, stay at work until five o'clock, then drive home and just be running on these stress hormones all day long. We have to cultivate periods of our time during the day to take a little break, a little breather. So your autonomic nervous system, your endocrine system can catch up and kind of, again, slow the release of those stress hormones. That's what we're trying to do to sleep better cultivating periods of rest as well, making sure that you are incorporating downtime, like around your menstrual cycle, downtime a little bit more in the winter months and the fall months when naturally like our human cycles would be a little bit less fast paced. These are important periods of rest as well. I could go more, we can keep going through the protocol, but I just wanted to take a breather and say, what do you think about that? <laughs> so far so good. I mean, there's a lot to this. It's like treating your body almost like a machine in tuning it up and I don't know, it just like this whole biochemical thing. It's fascinating and very in-depth. I love that analogy too. Well, what's the rest of the protocol then? 
So if we were to work on exercise too, that, that's kind of the next step. And if a woman isn't sleeping from an exercise standpoint, I'm looking at two things. Are you not moving really at all during the day? Or are you moving way too much during the day? Because women, we women tend to function in extremes. So we have women who just are too overwhelmed with work and family, even get 5,000, 10,000 steps in a day, let alone do some more functional fitness, like strength training. Or we have women who get up at 430 in the morning to hit their CrossFit class or orange theory class and are getting 20,000 steps during the day and maybe getting an extra jog in after work. Like those are two different extremes that women tend to fall into with their exercise. So all I ask my clients to do is let's start balancing it out, move toward the Goldilocks principle of exercise. Can you move about 10,000 steps a day, not like going to work out, just generally accruing those steps during the day and maybe add in three rounds of strength training every week. Not too much, not too little. And then from a stress. Oh yeah, please, Christy, go ahead. No, I was just going to say just right. Yeah. Yeah. Just right. Just a little, just Goldilocks. Then with stress management, that's something I'm really, really pushed into with clients. We work on heart rate variability and, and getting biofeedback from the body on how well their body's managing stress. Because if I'm measuring something like HRV with clients, which is just the length of time between each heartbeat. So with heart rate variability, we have, if you're looking at like a baby or a really young child, their heart rate variability is going to be through the roof. And what that means is that length of time between heartbeats can vary wildly without them accruing stress. But as we get older, our heartbeats tend to fall closer and closer together. So we lack that ability to adapt. And the heart can kind of show us uh, metaphorically and also physically, practically can show us a reflection of what's going on in the body. When heart rate variability goes down, when we're unable to adapt to working out and then going to lay down for a little bit or walking up a flight of stairs and then going to sit in our car, when we're unable to adapt to those situations as well as like a child can, we start to manifest more signs of stress in the body. So that's one way I like to look at it to help clients manage stress better. I advocate animal protein. I have them take an Epsom salt bath as often as possible. Do things like a castor oil pack. Get time in the sun for just five minutes at like 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. every day. Push into some oxytocin building activities like cuddling with family members or calling up a friend. Just something to kind of manage stress during the day because we women can go forever and never think about our stress management. No, that's absolutely right. Wow. So that takes us through the D-R-E-S-N-S. So the final one is supplements. And this is my caveat for supplements. They're always the sexiest part. Everyone always wants a supplement, but we look at supplements as just that. It's just an adjunct. It's just a supplement to those other four things that you're already doing. So based on the functional lab work that I run, looking at hormones, looking at gut, looking at minerals and heavy metals, looking at food sensitivities. If those show me that the body's in need of a supplement, then and only then would I recommend a supplement. Okay, gotcha. And what are the favorite supplements that you tend to recommend? Ooh, that's fun. So I usually, since I deal with perimenopause, here are the top three supplements I recommend. I usually recommend magnesium for women. If they're not sleeping and they're not pooping, then we usually start with magnesium. Another one I recommend a lot is zinc. Actually, zinc is needed for immunity. It's also needed to have healthy stomach acid and, and digestion. So if a woman's not digesting well and she's getting sick all the time, we'll work on some zinc. 
The last one I love to recommend is vitamin B6. Vitamin B6 is needed to convert the body's raw materials over to progesterone. It's very calming to the body. And so consequently, or really like if a woman's been taking birth control for a long period of time, the consequence of that is that zinc, magnesium, and B6 levels are greatly depleted. So that's generally where I start with a lot of clients. Okay. Okay. And what about recipes you tend to recommend for women? Ooh, this is fun. My favorite recipe, all-time favorite, is my cramp-free energy bites. So it's like a protein ball. It's got plenty of chocolate. It's got lots of flax. And I will send it over to you, Christy, so you can have it because I can tell like almost beyond a shadow of a doubt, like if I put a woman on cramp-free energy bites, they will not have cramps that month for their period. It's crazy. Do they have to eat them every day? Yes, but no one's sad about that because it's a cookie. It's a chocolate cookie. Chocolate in it. Yes. I know my daughter would love that. She gets horrible cramps. Oh, well, let me send you the recipe, Christy. She will be so happy. She gets to eat chocolate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here, take two chocolates and call me in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's super fun. Yeah, it sounds like a pain-free way to get yourself back in order and get your body back on track. Yeah, that's really what I hope. I always tell my clients, like my objective is for you to not need me eventually. I want to teach you the tools that equip you to master your own body, to have what we call body literacy so that, you know, man, if I have really bad cramps this month, this is kind of what I can trace it back to with my emotional, spiritual, physical food kind of health, right? That is part of the equation is like the food and the the supplements, et cetera, et cetera. But the rest of it is this emotional, spiritual and energetic. Yeah. You know, Reed Davis. I sure do. (laughs) You work with Reed Davis. He's been on my podcast. I've been on his show as well. And we are both co-authors of The Gap. Were you involved in The Gap? I was not. I was not. But Reed is wonderful. Oh, he is delightful. Absolutely delightful. Of course, you do the same work that he does. But the chapter that I wrote for The Gap has to do with is seeing illness or disease as a mountain. On one side, we're trying to dig through this mountain with the nutrition and the physical things, the supplements and the medications when warranted. But then on the other side of the mountain, we're trying to dig through with energetic medicine, emotion, forgiveness, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm that contribute to the origin of disease. And then what we want to do is meet in the middle. So we have both in order to have full impact healing. I feel. I completely agree with you. Good, good. So what about losing weight, which is harder during perimenopause and menopause? Boy, it is. That is probably my women's top health concern. It's always funny too, because they'll start off with, well, I'm not sleeping, but I want to lose five pounds. And you know, my hormones are out of whack, but I want to lose 10 pounds. (laughs) It's so common for women, right? Like we all kind of struggle with it. And there are, I could sit here for three months and talk about all the reasons why women tend to put on weight in perimenopause. But I will tell you, if I were to do three things with a client to help them start losing weight today, number one, it would be to be to eat about a hundred grams of animal protein every single day. You will be so surprised at how that cuts cravings and also helps you retain your muscle mass in perimenopause. Otherwise, your muscle mass is going to break down and you're going to look and feel flabbier. It's going to be easier for you to put on weight. So, really optimizing diet specifically through increasing animal protein. Oh, that's the second, yeah, just eat it like eating, eating more. Go eat more, ladies. That'll help you lose weight. Yeah. 
Well, in animal protein, because a lot of people think, well, I need to move to a more plant-based diet in order to lose weight, right? And for some people, it can work for a period of time. I would never knock a plant-based diet, but in my practice, the women that I work with, they're generally very depleted. Their hormones are in crazy disarray and their bodies are breaking down. So my objective with my women is to help them rebuild their bodies. And we need that amino acid building block platform in order to do that. So not only is animal protein helping you combat cravings and stay full, but it's helping rebuild this body that's being, has been broken down for decades, right? Again, through like over exercising and over dieting and under sleeping and over stressing. So starting there can kind of start to heal a multitude of issues in the body, right? I would also tell women like, stop exercising so much. Stop like making yourself crazy with exercise. Just walking about five miles a day in aggregate, just moving throughout the day and adding in some strength training three times a week can be exceptionally powerful in helping a body reduce stress, reduce inflammation, and eventually begin to lose weight. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Now, do you have a website that we can direct our listeners to? Absolutely. So you mentioned Reed Davis, functional diagnostic nutrition is fantastic. If you want to hear more about what I do and how you can do something like this, we would point you toward functional diagnostic nutrition.com. But my own website is Jennifer Woodward nutrition.com. And there I give all sorts of information and recipes and practical tips on how to navigate hormone imbalance and perimenopause. I'm also on Instagram, Jennifer Woodward Wellness, and Facebook, Jennifer Woodward Nutrition. Oh, fantastic. We'll put all of these links in the show notes. Uh, I'm looking at your website now. Gorgeous website. First of all, I have to say it's really well done. Thank you. Well, you've got courses on there too. That's exciting. You actually teach how to do some of this stuff. I do. Yes. Those are my self-paced options for women who are just like, let's dive in today. I want to start changing right now. Just hop into a self-paced course and you can start literally today. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you think is important? Anything we're big that we're leaving out or we've just kind of glossed over? Really, ladies, I mean, if you are in perimenopause, it really is most important for you to focus on your stress management, working on with Christy and energy healing and protecting your space and protecting your boundaries and making sure that you are in a safe space to move into this next phase in life. Because women are like, we are givers, we are healers, we are empaths, right? We have a lot of responsibility on our shoulders to take care of our families, to take care of our businesses, to take care of our communities. And so my objective is to help empower women to be able to do that. And the first step in doing that is to care for yourself well from a stress management perspective. Because if you're too stressed out, you're never going to make good food choices. You're never going to go exercise. You're never going to sleep well. So in order to cultivate that, that arena of healing for yourself, first focus on taking your Epsom salt bath and getting out in nature and getting a massage and all the things that you can do to really, again, cultivate that stress management piece. Oh, I love that. That sounds wonderful. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for joining me today. This has been really helpful, enlightening, and I think it's going to help a lot of women. So much for having me. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being.
To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.